0: This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work because business is personal.
1: Hey, More Than Workers, it's the People-Centric team here. And today on our More Than Work podcast, we're going to talk about how can you find more workers? Or if you are a worker thinking about changing jobs here in what has become known as The great resignation, right? Is it the great resignation? Am I getting that right? Have you heard that before, that term? Yes. My team's nodding. They don't know that this is a podcast. Great resignation.
2: Is this also similar to the uh, sans-demic?
1: The Sand's demic (laughs) Two different things. Yeah, we talked about the sans-demic, right? There's a pandemic. There's also a sans-demic. The Sand's demic is the idea that there's not enough workers. There's not enough workers for the jobs that are out there. Uh, Unemployment's at 3.8% right now. Employers are having a terrible time finding talent, but not all employers are having a terrible time finding talent. You as an employee might be out there thinking, maybe this is a great time for me to find a better job, a great job, but what should you be looking for so that you don't just start job hopping and start showing up as being entitled? Today, we're going to talk about like all these things that are going on. We're going to share some trends in this world of how do I attract and retain employees And then as an employee, how do I find the best type of job in this kind of a weird job market that is the great Sandemic, or also known as the great resignation, as a lot of people are quitting their jobs. So with us, as always, it's Matt Griswold and Diana Royalty and Bethany Tapp. And I'm going to walk us through team, group, friends, some of these things, some of these statistics that are out there. And so I'll just have you react to this idea that there's this big talent shortage right now. Are you guys seeing that in terms of the clients we work with? Are you seeing some of them struggling to find talent or companies that you're hearing out there? Are you seeing talent shortages?
2: You know what's yeah, interesting, I- Don, that you had talked about here too. We talked about like the, the, the sandemic, but then we also talked about the great resignation. And I think for a lot of owners, they're in the sandemic. Thing Like, I just, there's just not enough workers, but to get them kind of over to this great resignation idea of like, no, 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 they are, they're just, they're quitting in waves and they're looking for something specific, maybe something specifically you aren't, are not yet offering, or you have not yet built what it is that they are looking for, you know, so I think, I think we're, we like to blame it just on, there's just not enough people for the jobs, instead of looking introspectively going, hmm. Uh, What are the things that I need to do to be able to combat the great resignation, you know, of this corporate culture, you know, whatever that looks like? Why are they leaving? What does that look like for us? And how can we potentially change? That's what I see. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great observation. Diana?
3: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Bethany and I do a lot of interviews across the country for our clients. And some of our clients are having trouble even getting applications in. And they're just not, there's not the draw And then some of our clients have like hundreds of applications and they don't know what to do with it. So the job market is different than I think we've ever seen it before. I think it's definitely strange right now. Mm -hmm.
1: So we're going to try to untangle some of that strangeness together. So what's the strangeness and what does this look like? And some of the statistics that you're going to hear are going to come from a presentation that we actually did back in 2017. And we did this presentation for one of our mastermind groups, where we were talking about this idea that there were going to be a shortage of employees and that employees really wanted something from their employers and what were employers really providing. And it was well received, but it wasn't like a smashing success. Like people listened to it. So that was interesting, but it doesn't really impact me now. We went back and recycled this program recently, and I was actually out in Chicago with the Area Alliance of Business Publications speaking out there, giving them a shout out. And I gave this same presentation, and this was absolutely timely. So they were just like, okay, this is really hitting us now. We can't find the people we need. Why don't people want to work anymore? What's happening? That's what we're hearing from some employers. By the way, not all employers Not all employers, as as Matt and Diana both pointed out. So what's the difference? What's happening? What are we, what's looking at? Are we dealing with a talent shortage right now? Or is there even maybe a talent surplus? And then what can we do to fall on which side of that that we want to fall on? So let's talk about the talent shortage, first of all, right now. Uh, So right now, unemployment in the U.S. as of October of 2021 is at 3.8% which a lot of people would consider to be full employment. Like if you want to get a job, you probably can find one. Now, if you're listening right now and you can't find a job, hopefully it's because you're just trying to find exactly the right type of job or a connection like that. But if you keep, keep at it, you should be able to find something right now. Uh, it, it, that looks pretty good. So if you're employed, it's an employee's market. But some of the things that are driving some of this shortage, let's, let me throw out another statistic. 10,000 baby boomers are retiring every day in the United States. 10,000. And that's a trend that's going to continue to 2030, till 2030. 10,000 baby boomers a day until 2030. That seems like a lot of people that are out there that are going to be leaving. A lot of times when we're working with companies, we see this. We see the people that are the most talented inside the organization who have the most experience and they're going to retire. And who's going to come in behind them? Who's going to come in behind them? And I guess I'll ask our team that what are you seeing in terms of that in the companies that we work with about people getting ready to retire? and what they can do to get ready for that talent that's about ready to leave or what problems that they're going to face.
2: And you know, we talk a lot about succession planning. So, you know, instead of especially at this at this point it's almost like we're bracing for it to happen and we're fearful of it, of it happening where the talent is going to leave and then what? And we can't get to the point of man, what are some proactive things as a business owner that I could do to be able to build in this idea of succession planning? Like how do I uncover some of the talent maybe that's there? I think I think we work harder rather than smarter by automatically thinking we have to look outside of our immediate area to be able to try to recruit some of that talent here instead of you know perhaps maybe the best way to do it is to give some of our current employees the opportunities to shine which would help us see what it is that we have i don't i don't know that we actually know what it is that we have we're hiring you know we do this we, we talked about this for ourselves too going through the process of hiring somebody and we we kind of had the epiphany of whenever it's time to hire, it's, it's it's out of a place of necessity. We've added more clients. The workload is there like, oh, my gosh, we got to hire somebody instead of just sitting back and going, you know what, let's just hire somebody and bring them up to speed and and, and kind of ease our way into it. And, and I think for a lot of people, that's the reality. It's like I need to hire now because of necessity. And maybe there's more legwork we could do ahead of time to build a, a succession plan, identify the pieces that we have, identify the pieces that we need, which might even make that hiring process a little smoother once the reality hits.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's, it's when you're watching the financials, you're careful not to have extra staff, right? Because that's, that's a significant cost. You know, people are the biggest cost in most businesses uh, in terms of financials. But at the same time, how can you plan to make sure that when that person, key person does leave, that, that knowledge and experience doesn't just walk right out the door with them? Uh, And it takes time. You can't wait till a person leaves and then say, hey, who's my next leader? Who can I develop into this position? You should be developing people all along. How can you work with your people to be able to get them ready for the next job? So those of you who are younger in the workforce who aren't baby boomers, there's probably going to be some opportunities for you here coming up because all these folks are going to be retiring. It's going to create a vacuum at the top of a lot of these companies and a lot of the talent. Hopefully you are also aggressively going after that information and you are stepping up and trying to take some leadership roles because there are going to be some opportunities to be able to move up, especially in the next 10 years. So, so throwing out some, uh, some statistics, and this is from the, uh, from the employer's standpoint, the employer's perspectives. One of the things that we hear sometimes employers say, and we want to give you this insight as sometimes the consultants on what we hear. Sometimes we hear employers say the words, you know, well, people just don't want to work anymore. I just, this is the problem right now. People just don't want to work. I can't find anybody that wants to work. I used to find people that want to work. Now I can't find anybody that wants to work. As a consultant, when you hear somebody or manager or owner say, I I see people that just don't want to work anymore. It's just this whole generation. Nobody wants to work anymore. What does that trigger for you as a consultant? Candidly? No, don't
2: I was gonna,
1: be gonna
3: it. I was gonna be like, let's put Diana on full blast because that's <laughs> a good question. Go, no, go.
2: No, no. No, 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 I think I no. think candidly, I think sometimes we hear that and and you know, we're looking at organizations and and we work with lots of different companies, but I think sometimes we hear that and it's it's like, geez, if that's the mentality also, it's like everything is on them. If they would change, they don't want to do this anymore. Nothing is nothing is looking at, you know, we just want to make sure that we're the best place to be able to work. No, no, no. It's like, no, people just don't want to work anymore. I, I don't know that I would want to work there either. Like you're not doing a great job of building a place where people want to go. Like the reality is you are now competing with lots of other companies, maybe than what you were competing before. Um, there's lots of opportunities there where you can just, kind of pick and choose if I'm an employee looking I can kind of pick and choose what it is that I where it is that I want to go and so these employers have to really uh, it kind of change their mindset too it's not that they just don't want to work it's you know no, no 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 I I believe that they do want to work and dang it I'm going to build the best scenario for somebody that does want to go to work like they can come work here and be a part of this because this is pretty cool too.
1: Matt I have a question for you what
2: is an employer? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a next level thing. That's a next level thing. Like when you've worked with so many employers, you can go to the employer. Uh, it's a European model of the same. It's like Soure. <laughs> oh my God. We don't
1: want employers. We want employees. That's what we like want. A pack,
2: like a pack of hyenas. Yeah. We just oh, yeah, I, I would never, know. guys. I would never.
0: It? And Diana, I didn't do anything.
2: Wow. Thank you, Bethany.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. If I can support you, let me know, Matt. If you feel this. Yeah,
2: hard. and the employee and the employees are now known as employees. Um, <laughs> employees, employees. <and>
0: employers. <laughs> well, so back to the conversation. I think Don, I think it's interesting because we are. I mean, we're seeing some of this happen. So we're we we work with large and small companies. Right. And so we're seeing, you know, even within our own communities, like large organizations who are losing like masses of people. And then some of the smaller companies that we work with are getting to capitalize on that. And they're able to take some of that talent um, as they're exiting their other, their other organization. And so they're getting really good, talented people that still want to work. They just don't want to work there anymore. And they're really attracted to just the flexibility and the tight-knit, you know, team that they have there and the the you know the opportunity to voice their opinions and be a part of building the organization and all of these different things, feeling empowered in that in a new position at a new organization. So there's there's all of these different things that they're getting to benefit from by joining other other organizations not because they just don't want to work.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. There's There are some David and Goliath stories out there where David's winning. A lot of them, David's pulling people over from the Goliaths because of the flexibility. And we're going to talk a little about that too, about what these employees are looking like. Uh, let's talk about what the job, uh, not the job market looks like, but what does the job pool look like? What, what do the employee pool, the employee pool, what does that look like? So let's look at, first of all, right now, the employees that are in the job market are amongst the most educated in the history of the United States ever they amongst the, the most educated 80, 88% of them have a high school degree or a GED 88% 59% have completed some college and 33% have a college degree bachelor's or higher and 12% have an advanced degree masters or higher so there's a lot of the, so when you think about the workforce, there's a lot of people who did go get educations and degrees and are set up for this. And a lot of them got those degrees at a time when they thought, well, if I just get the degrees, I'm going to get the job. And up until most recently, that wasn't always true. So that, that's, that's, a, that's a little bit of a difference. You know, some differences about, now this is some data from 2016 when we first did this presentation, and this is kind of interesting. In 2016, 43% of the workforce worked remotely at least part of the time. In 2016, at least 43% worked remotely at least part of the time. Now, fast forward to 2021, and as of right now, in October ish September ish, that timeframe, it was 26% work remotely full-time right now. So a quarter of the workforce in the United States is working from home right now, uh, which we see that a lot. And a lot of that, of course, is driven by the pandemic. But a lot of workplaces are now reopening and still leaving their people, letting their people work from home because a lot of people said that they would like that. In 2016, going backwards again, because I think it's important to talk pre-pandemic, what are some of those trends? What did that look like? 37% of employees said they would change jobs if they were allowed to work from home. 37% 37% said they would change jobs just for the opportunity to get to work from home. Now, what do you think the pandemic has done for that trend? Uh, just to, to talk about that a little bit from what we've seen. So a lot of employees thought this would be great to be able to work from home, you know, if I if I could, and I would go take a job that allowed allow me to work from home. But what do you think that, What where do you think we're at now that people have had a chance to do that a little bit?
2: I, th- I think it might depend on the person too. I think we've heard from a lot of people that are like, I love the opportunity to be able to work from home. I've heard examples of when they were made to go back to the office, they just quit. They just opted not to, if it was not, you know, since it wasn't on the table to be able to do that, I'm going to go find a job where I can. But then I've heard, you know, the other side, there's another type of person that just wants to be in the office, that, that needs to be in the office. Like 50% of us right now are in the office. The other 50% are not in the office. And so, you know, the, I, I think employers were, were hesitant to be able to do that before, but, but the pandemic, what it did was showed that you can still be successful and do that. Like it showed that you can still work and be flexible, with how people want to work. And it's kind of a bargaining chip for employers if they're, you know, jockeying for the same talent too.
3: I think you said a key word there, Matt. You said flexible. And I think that's really what a lot of people are looking for now is the ability to work from home if they can, and then the ability to go into an office if they want to. Like, I think they're really looking for that flexibility. Mm-hmm. which throws
2: some of those uh, processy black and white people right, you know, right off, right? Well, that sounds pretty willy nilly there. And, you know, the reality is that we have a certain amount of work that we need to be able to get done. We want to, of course, want to do it well. Where do you think you can best accomplish this? If that's at home and, and you've got all the tools and resources to do it, we can still hold, you know, KPIs and accountability to that. Then a lot of employers are going, awesome, then just, just do that or come in, whatever you want to do. At the end of the day, this is what you're accountable for. And let me know if you need anything. And I think we're seeing a lot, seeing a lot of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. 44% of employers, however, right now, do not allow their employees to work from home at all. 44%. Does that surprise some,
2: you? Some industries, I mean, you got to take into account too. There's, there's, I don't know if this is industry specific, but we work mm-hmm. with hospitals and like, it's not like they're, they're able to, you know, some of their the Patients to me, I'm to at home. home. Yeah. You know. Give them my address. Tell them to swing by. Uh, yeah. I've got a, I've got a tent in the driveway. We can we can work through it there. That you know who else who else we were never stopping to travel to visit through the pandemic was uh, city administrations. City administrations were were going getting up and going to work every day also. And so I think part of the forty four percent are those industries that you know we just talked about being flexible. Some of those industries have no choice. It is a it is an in person thing. We've got to go to work, and so. I think I would take that into account with your 44%. I wonder how many of those 44% have the option to be flexible and they're yeah. choosing not to versus I don't have an option to be flexible. Like, gosh, uh, people want to see doctors in person. Turns out, you know, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And I don't I don't want to take us off track too far here, but I think that that's where, because you're right, there are industries that you just can't, you you have to be in person and that's okay. But there are other ways I think ultimately what people are are after what em, employees are after <laughs> are some kind, of, that, by the way. Yeah, some kind of work life balance right and that's what people are looking for. And so I think there's other ways that employers can be trying to create some work life balance I think there's other creative ways to help offer that to potential employees that doesn't necessarily mean you have to work from home too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that work-life balance concept, and we've done whole episodes on this, you know, we've talked about before, like there used to be this concept of work-life balance for some generations, but the generations coming in now into the workforce, it's kind of like the internet. They've never saw life without the internet. So it's not like working online versus offline. It's just, they're just integrated together. I think more more people are starting to look at work and life as just being integrated together too. They're not two separate things.
2: Yeah. Um, I know for me, I know for me personally, you know, I, 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 are there times whenever I need to be at a client location or, you know, whatever? Absolutely. But for the most part, we have a lot of flexibility. It, it, you know, I do a lot of my work, you know, that behind the scenes work at night. Like I, I like I like to be, you know, have a little flexibility during the day and at night, you know, is whenever I'm hitting people up, you know, what other email or, you know, things like that too, or working on presentations and stuff like that. Of course, we travel quite a bit, which um, also balances some of that work life uh, misnomer of a of a work-life balance as, as Diana would say, sometimes we're needed more at home, sometimes we're needed more at work. And that's, that's the trick there. So when do people do their best work is another good question as an employer that I might want to involve them in that conversation too.
1: Yeah. So more statistics for you, just to throw this out, you've all talked about flexibility a lot. 51% in 2016, according to a Gallup poll said 51% of people said they would change their jobs just for flex time to have that flexibility. So that flexibility, again, seems to be really, really valuable to the workplace. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that two out three some more. So let's look at the pool size a little bit. Let's look at what's happening with employers. In August of 2021, this, is, this statistic is, is unbelievable. Some of, a lot of these are actually, 65% of the workforce was looking for a new job. Two out of three people in the entire US workforce which totals to be over 100 million people were looking for a new job.
2: It doesn't mean that they were unemployed, right? They might've been employed, but still looking or that's, what? Do you that's know?
1: of the workforce. So yeah, so 3.8 were unemployed, 3.2% were unemployed, but the rest of them were employed and
2: looking for another job. Right. That's, that's just,
3: I know that, for a fact Don was looking for another job. That yeah.
2: Is... Yeah. I was gonna say 65% of people-centric was trying to figure yeah. out what we were doing at that <laughs> time. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, clients.
1: That's my question is, yeah, which, so who is it? I know that it's two or three of you. Who is it? Who is it? What are you looking for? Uh, That's huge. In August, also in August, by the way, 88% of executives report that their turnover has increased. So more people are leaving companies. So this is showing that. Uh, And this is the most stark statistic. In September of 2021, 6% of the workforce quit their job in that month. In one month, 6% of the workforce left their job. And they took another job because the unemployment didn't suddenly go up. It wasn't like they quit their job and didn't find anything or people left the job market, they, they quit their job. So that it shows you how many people are switching. Um, 63 million workers are planning to switch jobs in the next few months, 63 million workers. The total workforce size, by the way, for the US is 157 million. So 63 million of that are planning to change jobs. are looking and a little bit less than half are planning to go ahead and change jobs. So people are on the lookout for new opportunities. Now, when they're looking for new jobs, so when we see people and and we'll, we'll work with clients and sometimes employees will come to us and they'll express some frustration and sometimes they'll even confide in us a little bit and say, hey, I'm thinking about looking for another job. What are the things that you think that they're looking for? Let me open that up to our team here. What do you think are the things that they are looking for when they're thinking about jumping?
3: I mean, we have lots of conversations and they tell us everything from, I don't like my manager to, I don't have enough work-life balance. They say those types of, or the communication is bad. And ultimately, I I think if I had to boil it down to one theme, the theme is autonomy. I think people really want to be able to do good work, be trusted in the work that they're going to do, make decisions about the work that they do be backed by their employers and feel good about what they're contributing. Like to me, it, it's kind of boils down to autonomy. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think that's really
0: great. And actually you meant, you said one thing in there too, that like be backed up by their manager, their employers. And I feel like that's something that I've actually heard a lot lately is people talking about like, Just with any decision, not like the one that they can make the the decisions, but then when they do that, they know that they're backed up to be able to do that and that they're trusted in that position. Um, And I think that's a big, I think that's a really big component.
2: Can I add a wrinkle to this conversation? And I don't know if this is already a part of the statistics or not, you know, Don, but some of the organizations that we work with, they also have union workers Mm -hmm. and which is a whole different game you know for for a lot of them like i'm looking in the news recently across the country right now 10,000 john deere workers are on strike right now walking off the job ge has hundreds if not thousands of people also walking off the job and it's not that they're leaving or looking for another opportunity they're they're looking for you know their pension plans or the, you know the, the 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 retirement plans the money to be a little more equitable one of the things that i have heard and we have seen and I don't know if you know if you want to go there or edit this out or not. But one of the things that I've seen recently is the pandemic did not hurt all industries. Right. A lot of those industries did really well during yes, the pandemic. Yes. And it's hard from one side of our mouths to be able to say we made a billion dollars last year or you know whatever that looks like. But then the worker can't really see that distributed across the country other than going into the maybe pockets of the CEOs or whatever that looks like too. And I think that's, you know, in John Deere's case, this is might be apples and oranges here, but that's 10,000 people that walked off and they made something like, I don't know, $6 billion. Like they had a record year last year, which a lot of the companies, you know, that we do interact with, they also had record years. And so if I'm an employer, I I would consider maybe what that looks like, the perception of that, how to my workforce to also still create some sort of a value for them you know you know what what that looks like instead of going we had record years you know a record year it was awesome and then do nothing there, there's got to be kind of a cause and effect if i'm the employee what does that mean for me or am i just still working harder and we can't hire anybody else to fill some of the to take some of this load off you know what i mean i don't even know if that's a part of it but i would admit i would venture to say that maybe it's somewhere in your statistics too
1: I would I would guess that's probably true. You know, the the great game of business calls that line of sight, right? It's the idea that how do you know what you do? How does that impact the company? But then also, how do you know what the company does? How that impacts you? And a lot of the companies, I was having a conversation the other day, a popular fast food chain in a major city is starting to post jobs for $20 an hour, $20 an hour. The same fast food chain a year and a half ago was telling people who were trying to raise the minimum wage that they would have to close down if they raised the minimum wage to $15 an hour. So there's some kind of there's a little bit of a loss, you know, when we were the conversation among the group that I was with was like, well, they've lost all of their credibility, because they used to say they couldn't make money, but now they can. So why can they make money they could they could have been paying people $20 an hour the whole time and making money on this. Uh, there's a little bit of a, you know, now I know I would argue that maybe the $20 an hour maybe they're going to have trouble making money but I don't know how they're going to unpay people $20 an hour once they hire people. So yeah, there, there, there is a lot of that, I think, right now. If you don't have credibility, if you don't trust your employer, you, know, you never did, and now there's a job market out there that is as hot as it is right now, where you can go find stuff, you can, then you're going to leave, right?
2: Another reason why I think that's impactful, too, around the money is, you know, we saw this maybe a year ago, more of this, but it's probably still happening now, where people were so desperate for workers, they were offering large sign on bonuses or higher hourly pay, but they were not having the same conversation with their internal employees. Yeah, And so the internal employees were like, well, this sucks. Like I'm just going to job hop. And then they, they started to leave and go elsewhere because they were getting those bonuses or higher pay. And the, the employer is shooting themselves in the foot going, you know what, why don't I just look at my own people first and build us up first and create some loyalty like that. Let me show some appreciation like that. But that was a big thing. And I would venture to say that's still a big thing. You know, going yeah. on now, one of the reasons why people are leaving.
1: So it used to be an employer's market where the employers could kind of dictate the terms and people would work at, and now it's shifted to an employees' market, right? So the employees are demanding a product from the employer of what's it like to work there. Like, I would be interested in coming to work for you potentially, but you tell me what you have to offer. Yeah, which is at which. Employers hate, frankly, because they're not either used to being a little bit more control than that. Like, well, you, no, no, no. You tell me why you think you'd be a good employee for me. Um, and it really kind of, it, 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 it reveals that that should have always been a two-way conversation the whole time is, are we a good fit for each other versus one or the other, right? Versus one or the other. But, you know, it, it, asks, it asks the next question. So we're going to talk to the employers for a minute here, but the employees, you're going to enjoy this part of the conversation, is how good are employers at being employers, How good is your product that you're offering to your employees? So, we know some statistics, and we'll share some of these, but we know that about a third of the people in the United States workforce are engaged, one out of three. Two out of three are considered to be disengaged or toxic. Two out of three are disengaged or toxic. So, one out of three are engaged. That tells me right there that employers aren't doing a very good job if we're only winning over one out of three employees to feel like they belong there. So, that's a big threat for the workforce. Let's look at some other statistics on that. 20% of the workforce says that they have been managed in a way that motivates them to do outstanding work. 20%, one out of five. That's you you know. What, you know
2: I, I share that statistic a lot also as I'm speaking with people. And what's interesting is there's a large population of people, of managers that will say that my job is not to motivate people. That's not my job to be your cheerleader. And at the same time, on the other hand, it's like, mm, it better start to be part of your job <laughs> anyway. And if I'm thinking about it, if I'm thinking about it too, you wake up every day as a manager and is your job just to produce work? What if you, what if the mentality kind of shifts and it's like, you know what I have, according to the statistics you just shared, a third of my workforce is, is engaged. Like they're super in it with me. What if, what if my motivation every day is to, to be able to engage the engaged, like motivate the engaged. And then just, why don't I start there and then drive, help, help that become the engine inside that drives us to be drives us to be the best we can be not just my goal is not to get up and complete work my goal is to engage the engaged and then hope everybody else jumps on
1: employers a lot of times focus on the worst and not the best and then they leave the best and then the best feel ignored and then move on i just had a conversation last week with an employee who was one of the best employees and was concerned because she's not getting a lot of attention inside the company because the managers are spending all their time with the other people and she's thinking about leaving because of that so it's a great point it's like let's take care of the people who do take care of you Uh, And make sure you do spend some time with that. 12% of employees say they strongly agree that their company does a great job of onboarding. 12%. We see that as a big low hanging fruit for a lot of companies. We do a terrible job of onboarding. I really needed you to come into this job. So we're super busy. So come in here and here's, just get started. Just start doing stuff. Just start doing stuff. I don't tell you about our company. I don't tell you that we're glad that you're here. I don't introduce you to the team. I'm not really guarding the culture that much. It's just that, that, so that's that's a big challenge. Let's switch gears here for a minute and just talk about how when do employees look for jobs. So, seventy-seven percent of employees, before they go to apply for a job, will go to the website of the employer they're thinking about applying to see to look to learn about the company. What do what are they looking for when they go to the website?
2: I think they're looking for culture stuff. Like I think this is the thing that employers first. I know we're talking about the employees. But Don, I know that you know. I've been in the room with you as you, we were talking to different types of organizations, saying one of the number one things you can do is beef up your website because that's your billboard. That is your advertisement for what it's like to work there. You know, So I think if I'm an employee, I, I'm looking for two things, like trying to get clarification of what is it that you do. I think, it, I think it should be really specific about what it is that you do and how you go about doing what it is that you do. Like maybe very, very, very simply like that. And then, what's kind of a what's it look like to work there? A lot of the the culture stuff that you can grab, maybe maybe quotes from your current employees or customers, maybe that have testimonials about working with you, uh, stuff like that. I think I think those are, are a couple of the big things anyway that employees are looking for. Yeah, yeah.
0: I know when I, I mean, one part when I look at when I was looking for jobs in the past, I think one thing that I looked at was the team and like who if if possible like what information do you have about the people who are actually working there like the people that i'm going to work with as well and what that team is like and what it would be like to work with those people and if i was a fit with them so
1: that's why we took down Matt's profile off the website before you hired on. It was a strategic move on our side just to make oh, sure. That...
0: It was great. It gave me some good talking points in our interview.
2: <laughs> very intimidating. Yes, very, very. <laughs> Not the bar set too high. Oh
1: man, uh, how you could come up with that one? That's good. That's good. Another one in terms of what the people are looking for when they apply for a job. Seventy-one percent are going to get a referral from someone who currently works at the company. Seventy-one percent. That is a huge. Huge number. Now, put that, pair that with the numbers we talked about before, that one out of three employees are engaged in an average company in the United States. We measure engagement, by the way, with companies that we work with. We can go in and measure and find out what percentage of your employees are engaged, disengaged, or toxic. And really, like on the high end of that engagement levels, we'll see like 40%. I don't know that we've ever seen anything in the 50s, like on an initial measurement even that high. So even if you're thinking, well, I'm a lot better than that, you might be in the 40 percentile. So, but let's say you're in the 50 percentile. Okay, great. I'm thinking about coming to apply for a job with you. That means I have a one in two chance of running into somebody who says, yeah, this is going to be a great company to work for. You need to come apply or running into somebody that says, eh, it's a job, or yeah, come help me destroy it from the inside. Or I hate these people.
2: I love doing this. I love doing this talk with a group of managers because like 71% are, g- are going to ask somebody that already works for you. And immediately they're thinking about the positive 71, 71%. And so then I challenge them to think of their team. And they probably already have it segmented in their minds of like, these are the ones that you're okay to talk to. And these are the ones that I would rather you not. You know, online, you know, the, the, unfortunately that, that is with, outside of your control. And so what can I do to be able to tighten that up a little bit? So I don't care who they talk to. Ask anybody. We're all great.
1: Yeah. So, you're going to want to be a great employer to attract employees. If you're not a great employer, you're not going to attract employees. We'll measure something called Net Promoter Score. It's that, it's that you probably taken a Net Promoter Score survey now in your life. You've taken a, how likely would you be to refer this product or service to a trusted friend or colleague? You can do that with your employees, and you can ask them, how likely would you be to refer a job here to a trusted friend or colleague? And they'll give you a one out of 10 score and you can measure that and you can see some of that. And we see people with a high net promoter score and they can cherry pick talent from other organizations because you can look at this as a talent shortage or a talent surplus. If I tell you as a group, if you're a business owner right now and you're listening to this podcast or a manager and I tell you 6% of the workforce quit their jobs, some of you are listening to that going, oh no, that's good. That means a lot of my people are thinking about leaving right now. But some of you are listening that going, wow, that means there's a lot of people in other companies that might be potential to jump onto our team. And how you feel about that, in my experience, has been how you feel about your company ultimately as an employer. How confident are you in the product that you give for your employees? Do people find a good, is it a good place to work? Is it a good place where people are gonna stick around for a little while? That's a big challenge. So by the way, quick, quick tip. If you wanna do one thing as an employer, put something on your website about what it's like to work there and get your people involved in the hiring process. Put that out there. That's a really simple way to really boost boost the connections and coming in. Uh, That's really great. Employees right now want culture. They do want culture. A lot of times we think that they want the pay. Now pay is Maslow is important. Maslow will kick your butt. If You're not getting paid enough. If you're paying $10 an hour, shame on you. Shame on you. Unless it's you're paying the high school kid for the summer job for on the side, that's different. That's a little bit different. But if you're paying somebody who's trying to make a living, that kind of a wage, you're not paying enough for them to make a living. They're going to find another job as soon as they can. And doggone it, they should. And, and you deserve to lose that person in, in my perspective. But once we pay people enough to make a living, the, the priority shift. The, the, the gal did a study and they asked employees, how, would, would you rate professional career development? How important is it to you? Uh, how many of you would rate it as very important? And 45% of millennials relate that as very, very important career development. Are you thinking about where I'm going in my career? Are you going to help me to advance? Are you going to help me to advance my skills? Now, that's versus about 18% for baby boomers and 31% for Gen Xers. So that's a shift that's occurred with different generations. So this outgoing generation was very tolerant of bad management who didn't really care about their career path. Baby boomers were very tolerant of that. But now Xers were less tolerant and millennials less so and Gen Z's, I think, are even less so. It's going to be, are you developing me? Are you helping me? Some people call that entitlement. What do you guys think is a little bit of the difference between where does the line go? This is now I'm talking to the employees. Where's the line between empowerment and entitlement fall? Where do you see the difference there?
2: We
3: always talk about it in terms of also the alignment of it, right? If you're doing things that are aligned with the organization and you have good intent and you're like I know this is the goal of the company I know this follows the mission of the company I know I'm making the right decision with the good intent I think that is good empowerment that is that is empowerment you're doing it for the company with all good intent but if you're doing something and you're like I'm doing this cuz I have my own agenda because I really want this done because my coworker wants it done and you're not really thinking about how it impacts the company and your intent is not there to make the mission better or to further the mission, you're on your own agenda, then I think that's where the
1: entitlement lies.
3: That's how I think of it anyway.
1: I love that a lot. You know, when we talk about being people-centric, we say it's empowerment and alignment and alignment prevents the entitlement because entitlement is just about me. We've talked about being people-centric versus person-centric you know, a person centric is it's just about me. So if you're an employee and you're going in and you're saying, you're right, I am awesome. And if you want to get me, here's the things I need for you to get to me. You're not worried about alignment. You're clearly not communicating alignment. If I'm an employer, by the way, pass on that person. I don't care how hard it is to find people. You don't need that. Bringing that kind of entitlement onto your team is going to create a negative impact. It's going to be harder for you to find the next person which is a tough cycle to be able to break. But if you find the person that's just like, I wanna be really, really successful and I wanna find a company that's that's gonna partner with me to be successful. And in turn, I'm gonna make you really successful. That's the employee that you're looking for. That's what you really want to build. And by finding employees like that, it's actually gonna make it easier for you to find the next employee like that. There's kind of a cycle by who you hire and how you hire them and bring them in. You start to make sacrifices in your hiring process to fill seats and it's gonna make it harder for you to hire in the future. You are robbing from Peter to pay Paul. As, as the saying goes. So I wanna go into some takeaways from this, but I mean, I think big picture, just to kind of summarize this, then we'll go through some takeaways here from our team is if for the employers is if you want more employees, you gotta be a better employer. very very simple you have to have a better product you have to think about what do employees really want they want flexibility they want development you need to be training your managers you need to hire better you need to onboard better you need to communicate better you need to get them involved in winning for the company you need to help them to improve processes you need to give them some autonomy some choices some ways to use their strengths you need to do all of those things that we talk about in all of our other podcasts so that you can become a better employer and be more attractive to employees. And then once you've done that, then you need to do a good job of telling that and selling that story, sharing that on your website, uh, telling your other employees that, hey, we're looking for more members of the team. Can you help us find people that are going to be like you that you want to work with? It's going to be looking for that. It's going to be getting uh, capitalizing on being a great employer. So through this discussion on attracting and retaining employees, what are some of your takeaways, Diana or Matt? What do you think?
3: I have a lot of of weird um, thoughts about this because like I said, I interview all over the country and I hear a lot of people's stories. And I think it's a very deep loaded question. I think for many years, it has been that employer market. And now that it's shifting a little bit to this employee market, it's making employers uncomfortable. But I think in that discomfort is where there's growth. And so if you as an employer are uncomfortable with what's happening in the workforce, I would challenge you to look introspectively and figure out how you can become comfortable with it. The other thing I will say is just because it is a employee market doesn't mean that you should quit your job, even if you're a little unhappy. Like I think that you should evaluate carefully because the grass isn't always greener. Finding the right fit is a difficult task, and it takes both people wanting that completely, and so if you are in your current job and you are unhappy and you're thinking about leaving, maybe have a conversation first and decide if you are really misaligned or if you just need a little bit more guidance on alignment and a little bit of motivation to keep you. I would encourage you to have a conversation before leaving that
1: current role. That's great. That's great advice. That's great advice. Matt?
2: You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about this already, but I'm going to, I think it's timely for us to say it again. A few weeks ago, Diana and I had the opportunity to be in Denver, Colorado. And while we were there, we had one of the best meals ever. It was at Eddie V's. I'll give them a shout out uh, right now, too. They were fantastic. But during the meal, the, the manager of the restaurant said, oh, man, I have, I'm hiring for two servers. And if I stopped the story right there, there might be a lot of employers going, yeah, buckle up. It's a long haul. But his next line was, I have over like 400 applicants that applied for these two server roles, which might blow people's mind. Now, you could take two stances on that story. You might go, well, hiring a server is not the education or certification or, you know, whatever level that, you know, my specialty clinic is needing to hire. Okay, well, maybe not. But why is every restaurant also hiring them and why don't they have 400 applicants At the same time, like that story was kind of an outside looking in my tip is just be very real with yourself and recognize that this, this is a thing, which is true but also I think some people don't believe that story. Whenever that is also a thing. There are people right now that are not struggling to get applicants that are coming in. What are they doing differently than what you're doing. And I think that's something as an owner. Uh, or a manager, whatever. You, however you want to frame it, if you're in that decision, if, if, if the buck stops with you, that should be a question that you're asking yourself long and hard. Yes, everybody is everybody's trying to hire, but what, why does one company have 400 applicants and another company can't get anybody to walk through the door to want to work for them? I think that's a good question. Maybe some, a question that everybody needs to ask themselves. So recognize not everybody is also is struggling to get applicants. What can you do differently to be able to increase your chances?
1: Yeah, I took that story to Chicago with me this week and just mentioned that. And I said, how many applicants do you think they got? And the average answer in the room was zero. Actually, they didn't get any applicants. And there was a whole table there from Denver.
2: That's and they
1: awesome. said, yeah, those restaurants down there, yeah, they're terrible. Like a lot of them are closing down. They can't find people and everything. And I said 400 and they just went like, that can't be true. Like you just don't <laughs> yeah. even believe it. You don't believe it. We have hospitals that we're working with that are cherry picking talent from other hospitals right now. They're picking, they're, they're getting their, their, their pick of people. Uh, We just met with one of our clients yesterday who's in a field that they shouldn't be able to be finding talent and a lot of people are struggling with, and they're finding some of the best people they've ever found right now. They're actually seeing it as an opportunity. So these weird times are an opportunity, whether you're an employer or an employee, to be able to do something special and do something unusual if you take it the right perspective. If you're the employer, the right perspective is how can I be better, be introspective, think about what can you do. And if you're the employee, the right perspective is to be introspective again and say, how can I be the best possible employee for whatever company that I work with and what employer is going to give me the best chance to be able to do that. So that's all working together. So there is a weird times and strange times right now. We're in the great Sands Demic. This is not part of the pandemic. This is two separate events that happened at about the same time. This is not going to go away. This is actually going to get harder and weirder before or as this decade here plays out. So if you're, you're trying to run from this or wait for this, you're in the wrong spot, but you can be proactive as an employer or as an employee and you can get on top of things. So that ends this podcast episode, but you know what? You can become involved with this. You can let us know uh, suggestions for new episodes. You can drop us a line, tell us what you think of us. You can send fan mail in, whatever you all want to do. It's all possible through the email address that Diana is about to give us.
3: Yeah, it is more than work at peopleccg.com. And Matt would really love fan mail, honestly. Like
1: that's- yes. I,
2: I don't know if I can accept any more fan mail. Like it is obnoxious <laughs> the amount of fan mail. That comes. <laughs> it,
1: it's a lot. Do you have somebody that reads that for you or do you read that yourself? No,
2: I re- I'll i respond to all of it. Yeah, I'll respond to all of it. Wow, that's that's a dedication
1: to your fans that just shows yeah. what you're talking about.
2: Well, it's for the it people.
3: also- Makes sense why i have to do half your work
1: <laughs> that's funny so if you're a you can't get mad that's probably why he's answering fan mail so that's, that's part, right, that's right, part right. of what that maybe is. maybe
3: people could send fan mail to someone other than matt like let's see what that <laughs> wow. would do
1: yeah send Bethany or your diana some fan mail like let's get that let's get that going here right
3: competition okay. competition
0: there it
1: is there okay. it is yeah we need that so everybody say go out there and do good work
0: thanks for joining us on this episode of the more than work podcast join us next time and in the meantime lead well